Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. It's great to be with you this morning uh, as we continue our series on Come Back Stronger. Over the past uh, few weeks, we've been looking at this theme uh, in three different ways. Um, The first week, Al looked at listen, and then Phil covered prayer and wisdom uh, over the last couple of weeks. Today, I'm going to be looking at the topic of serve. In some ways, it's easy to talk to Christians about serving because that's what we do. and uh, because of that, I want us to think this morning about maybe leaning into some of our mindsets where they maybe aren't as flexible as they should be. Um, but we're probably really good at serving. As a church, we're good at serving. Um, it is one of our primary focuses, and, and we believe that everyone has an opportunity to serve in the church, that we can all do that in different ways, that we can find a role and a place. And that's one of the kind of really important uh, parts of about being church together is that we all have a place to serve and a place to be. I might use the phrase that uh, John Wimber used to use, which is everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to be involved. And I've had the privilege of watching over the last few months our church uh, and our churches across the citywide area serving um, with compassion and love stepping out and doing so many different things. We've uh, done that through our compassion ministries um, as you've served with food boxes and helping with Renew and helping in the community to meet different needs. We've served each other as, as a body as well and that's been fantastic to hear those stories too. Um, but what we need to, to realize as much as, as we're proud uh, about that is that in the middle of this crisis situation, as things change, um, we need to realize what's going on and how things are changing. And one of the ways that things are changing is that there's a shift um, going from the organized to the organic. Uh, and I believe that that shift will continue, that it will be uh, a trend that we'll see in the church. And if we are going to continue to be relevant to the community, if we're going to continue to carry the message of Jesus to our communities, we need to, to realize that that's a really important thing. Uh, and it's not that organized events aren't, aren't great, they are, but there's going to be less opportunity for those. And so we have this foretaste of, of the way things are and the way things are to to come, and we need to be open, uh, and, and maybe to accept that our previous norm uh, has changed, that we're shifting in, in a different way. And um, in, in some ways, I think that God has um, already been doing much of that in, in our lives. And as a church, we have, over the last few years, leaned into the thought of everyone, every day, everywhere. And I believe that, actually, that's our prophetic destiny in, in these times, that we are to be the church everyone, every day, everywhere. But what that looks like and how we flesh that out and live that out is really, really important because out there in society, in our communities, there's a lot of need. And we as a church need to step out. And before we step out, and as we're in this, maybe this time of preparation, we need to think about our why we step out. And for me, it's quite simple. It reminds me of a story which I love. Um, about a little boy in Sunday school who was asked, uh, what's small, uh, red and furry, it eats nuts, it has a big bushy tail. Uh, And the child puts his hand up in Sunday school and he says, it sounds like a squirrel, but I know that the answer is Jesus. 
Because if you're small child in Sunday school, the answer is always Jesus. Um, and I love that because it reminds me that very often that is true. The answer is Jesus. The vision is Jesus. The why is Jesus. And Jesus came to serve. And so the mode that we serve in is after the way of Jesus. Uh, Jesus said that about himself, actually, in Matthew 20, verse 28. He says, as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, and his motivation was to serve, but in serving, his motivation was also to bring a revelation. He came to reveal the Father. And so in everything that Jesus did, in the way that he did, his, his service was unto the Father to make the Father known. And again, Jesus says this about himself, and as he's praying for us, we read in John 17, verse 25, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So his acts of leadership were in service to the Father. His acts of kindness were in service to the Father. His teaching, his healing were to reveal the Father. His act of death on the cross was to restore relationship with the Father. And then our thought and our process needs to be, whatever I'm doing and how I serve needs to be to the glory and honor of God. It's not man, in fact, that we're serving. It is God himself. And so Phil mentioned it last week, you know, our wisdom is to put Jesus first in all things, to think about Jesus um, as we're serving. Um, and to be honest, um, one of the challenges when it comes to serving is, and this is a personal thing for me too, is I get a lot of my needs met from serving and leading and in pastoring that actually I get a certain level of fulfillment in doing these things. But if that is my motivation, then there's a problem. And it's not that I shouldn't um, give thanks. It's not, it's not even that I shouldn't enjoy these things. But what I need to do is transcend that and go beyond that and be satisfied in the, in, in the fact that I'm doing the things that God has created me for, but ultimately, I'm doing it to give glory and honor to him. So we need to transcend what we get out of these things and move beyond that. Um, there's a singer-songwriter called Sarah Groves in, in a song called The Journey Is My Own. Uh, she sings this beautiful line. She says, I live and I breathe for an audience of one. And so in our serving, it is truly Jesus that we're serving. And Jesus again said that. He said that in Matthew 25, verse 40. He said, whatever you do for the least of these, you do it for me. And so that completely changes the way that we serve other people, the way that we seek to bless other people because we're doing it for Jesus. We're doing it as if we're doing it to him for his honor and for his glory. And so as we lean into this vision of um, serving Jesus personally and, and corporately, it's important that we don't pine for things to return to the way that they were, but we ask ourselves in this new normal, in these new realities that unfold over time, what is, what is God calling me to do right now? And so to be able to do that, we need to embrace the pain of growth. We need to realize that it's going to cost us something. 
that if we're going to step into a new normal and figure out how to live for Jesus in that moment, we are going to experience a little bit of pain. Um, and, and in fact, that, that we're going to change and be transformed as people in, in these acts of service as we step out. And actually, Jesus loves that. And could it be, and maybe we don't always think this way, but could it be that Jesus has some pain and some discomfort set aside just for you? Because he wants to see you continue to be changed and transformed. And so pain and growth uh, and pain and transformation remind me of cycling. And I'm quite glad that um, there isn't a church in front of me this morning because normally when I talk about cycling, I start to get heckled. Uh, and it turns out that I talk about cycling quite a lot. Um, so there's nobody here to heckle me. And in fact, Andrew, who's behind the camera, is on my side as a cyclist, which is fantastic. But the problem with cycling is if you want to get better, you have to go through pain. And um, so if you want to get faster, you have to push yourself to the point of pain and continue to do that until that becomes your new normal. So now you can cycle faster. If you want to improve again after that point, you have to again take yourself physically to the point of pain in order to improve, to create a new normal or faster normal or the ability to go up um, hills quicker, whatever that happens to be. And pain is part of the process, is part of the journey. And I would like to, to say to you that the pain is part of the faith journey. It's part of the risk journey that we're all called to be on. And, and, and the problem with that is that we get to a place where we feel uneasy, where we feel nervous, um, because we, we're not in control anymore. When we step out in, in faith, we're stepping out into a place where we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but we hope that Jesus is going to meet us, and, and, and the outcome is not necessarily certain or sure. And, and we try to avoid situations like that all of the time. And so the challenge for us is, are we willing to step out from our place of comfort into a place of faith and risk where things might not turn out exactly how we hope or expect it? And so in, in our story that we read earlier in the life of Peter, it models this out. It models this out. The first thing that Peter does, which is a, a step of faith and, and a risk, it doesn't seem like a very uh, big one, is that uh, Jesus asks, can I use your boat as a platform? I'm doing some preaching here. And, and so Jesus is inviting himself into Peter's life. But Peter has to say, yes, yeah, come on ahead and use my boat. And, and there's a slight risk. And you're like, what's this guy going to say? Is it going to make me look bad? How do I get rid of him if he won't leave my boat again? Um, all these little small things that maybe we never think about. But I think that Jesus is just taking Peter step by step on a little bit of a journey. And so the next thing that happens very quickly with Peter is that Jesus asks him to put his nets down. And we know from this story that Peter has been out with his friends, have been fishing all night. He's tired. And again, there's just this place of, of risk and, and a place of faith. It's like, you want me to put my nets down? You're a rabbi. I'm a fisherman. This is my place of expertise. But because you said it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take a step. I'm going to put my nets down. And, and obviously we know from the story that they pull up this great catch of fish. And so Peter's journey of faith and risk continues in, in, these, in these two different steps on the boat. And he's starting to learn uh, about how Jesus works and who Jesus is. There's a revelation of that. And, and later on in the Gospels, and, um, there's another encounter that Peter has on a boat. Um, you know, and again, Peter is an expert fisherman. He's in the, his place of comfort. He's on a boat. It's in a storm. Jesus is not there. 
It's just after, actually, the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus is up on, on the mountain praying. But, but then, in, in the middle of the night, as the disciples are on a boat, in the middle of the lake, Jesus comes walking on the water. And Peter has gone on a faith journey in lots of different ways up until this point. But again, he has to move from his place of comfort to a place of risk. Uh, and Peter does this voluntarily in, in our passage, um, which is, uh, this one's in Matthew 14. And it says that uh, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, um, tell me to come out on the water. Jesus has come, and uh, you know you ha- have to admire Peter uh, in that moment. And, and then Peter got down out of the boat, and he walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. And so this place of faith and risk that Peter steps out into, he has an encounter with Jesus. He has an amazing encounter. Whilst he did start to sink, it still says in this passage that Peter walked on water. So I can imagine a few months or a few days after this, um, you know, the disciples kind of keeping Peter going about the fact that he nearly drowned and he thought he was a big lad wanting to walk on the water. And, I, and then I imagine Peter turning back to the disciples and asking them, where were you when I was walking on the water? You were in the boat. And, uh, and so Peter steps out and things don't go exactly how he thought they would, how that. Um, he had planned, maybe, in his mind. He managed to walk on the water, but it, he almost drowned, but he didn't. Um, and so, but this ex- whole experience wouldn't have happened if Peter hadn't decided to, to take a step of faith, if he hadn't decided to take a risk. And in doing that, he encountered Jesus. Jesus was there in that place of faith and that place of risk. And so the challenge for us is, and maybe a few questions we need to answer. Um, I'll give you two. What does faith and risk look like for me? Number one. And secondly, am I prepared to count the cost? So number one, what does it look like for me to take a step of faith? We need to be able to go beyond our comfort zones. And here's the thing that happens in the Christian faith is that when we take a step of faith, we take a risk, we maybe do something that we've never done before. It's scary. Um, we're maybe worried or concerned, what's going to happen? How are people going to react? Whatever it happens to be. Even something as simple as raising your hand in worship. Most of us probably remember the first time that, that we did that, you know, and we're thinking, oh, I'd love to do that. And you see other people doing it, and, and you do it. And, and, and it feels scary, but then it feels amazing too. But the, the second time, the fifth time, the, the 20th time you raise your hands in worship, it's not a step of faith anymore. It's not a risk. And there's a challenge in that for us, is that the place of risk and faith that we had in the past becomes a normal, and that's good. But then what we have to ask ourselves is, what is the next place of faith? What is the next place of risk? What does it look like when I step out um, 
and, and where is, is that challenge for me right now? And I think that our current circumstances with the coronavirus have created a great opportunity for us to step out, for us to move beyond our comfort zones. And one of the main ways that we do that is in serving. But when we step out, a bit like Peter stepping out into the water, what we're going to find is Jesus is there. Jesus hides himself in the face of the poor and the vulnerable. Jesus' heart is for people who are struggling or for people that need encouragement. Jesus' heart is for the people that we are going to be serving, and he is there. Bill Johnson um, has this great quote, and he says that Jesus doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us. And I would say that he hides himself for us too, that Jesus is waiting to be discovered in the faces of the broken, in the faces of the poor, in the faces of people in our congregation who need supported and encouraged and blessed at this time. The people that we're going to go and serve, Jesus is already there waiting for you to have an encounter with him. And our world needs an encounter with Jesus. It needs Christians who will step across invisible social barriers, who will take the time to talk to their neighbor, who will lift the phone, who will write a letter, who will show kindness and patience uh, to other people as they go about their daily lives. Where others are fretting and worried and stressed, we will serve with humility and patience and kindness. We will bring the shalom peace of God into the circumstances that God has placed us. And like Jesus, we will serve with practical help. But service um, looks like lots of different things. It looks like um, encouragement. It looks like leadership in business, in healthcare, in education, in the arts, in the community. Serving, when we look at the life of Jesus, looks like lots of different things. And so this is our time to create a new normal, a new operating mode of service in all aspects, to honor and glorify Jesus, but to bring solutions to the brokenness in our communities. Um, you know, whether it's your street, or whether it's a wider community, wherever God has placed you. But maybe God wants to place you somewhere new. Maybe your step is to step into an environment that you haven't been in before because um, God wants to use you there. We have to be willing um, to count the cost. So number two, we have to be willing to count the cost. Uh, and that could be some practical costs uh, around blessing someone else. Maybe it's financial, maybe it's your time. But what we have to realize is that then in stepping out and encountering other people, we're bringing something of the presence of God that people want. And community has been broken up in a lot of respects out there. And we as Christians... Uh, community is our thing. It certainly should be our thing. Uh, and people need it. People need it desperately. I'll give you one little example. Um, we, we've done lots of fantastic work through our Compassion Ministries. And one day, uh, I was uh, answering the phone, and an elderly lady rang, and I said, can we help you? And she said, not really. I just need someone to talk to. And she said, I haven't been able to talk to anybody at all for nine weeks except for my little cat, and he's getting sick of me. Um, 
And uh, so we had a chat on the phone. We talked about her and her life, we talked about the cat and, and a few different things. Uh, I'm not the best person when it comes to small talk in the world, but I, I gave her the, my best. And then I arranged for someone to be able to go out and see her and connect with her um, in her home. And actually, we organized for a food parcel to be delivered to her home, which would have blessed her. But secondary to that was the fact that someone could knock her door, stand socially distanced, have a conversation, look her in the eye, communicate significance and love to her in those moments. But all of those things that we do, they, have to, they cost us something. And if we're going to serve well, we, we need not just to do the activity of serving, but to carry the person of Jesus in our serving. We can give people our best, or we can give them Jesus. I hope actually we can probably give them both but we need to realize that it's going to cost us something in order to do that. And I think that the true service and serving in the mode of Jesus always costs us something. It always has a price to pay. And so we have to be prepared to count the cost. And I just want to give you five, very briefly, five ways in which we can do that. So as we prepare to come back stronger, we need to be prepared to count the cost. And the first cost that we count is emotion. We need to be emotionally involved. Anyone can serve. Anyone out there can serve, but we need to choose to give all of ourselves in our service. Um, we have a little plaque in our house. It sits in our fireplace, uh, and it says, love like you'll never get hurt. And um, the first time I saw it, I remember absolutely detesting it. I thought, oh, love like you'll never get hurt. Um, it really annoyed me. It annoyed me so much that I, I walked out of the shop that it was in and I walked around and I felt just the, the gentle voice of the Holy Spirit saying, you need to buy that. Uh, and we'd been through some difficult times, it was quite a number of years ago, and, and we'd been hurt by people. Um, and, and so it's one of the reasons why that little plaque annoyed me. But I remember really being challenged by the idea to love like you'll never get hurt. Because if we don't, then what happens is our love feels like something where we're holding back. And so it's important that we love as if we'll not get hurt, realizing that we probably will at some stage get hurt, but that that's okay. Jesus never held back his love uh, for another because he thought he might get hurt. He gave fully his love to all. And so if we want to people to experience the love and compassion of Jesus, we need to love them fully and completely even if we know at times that we're going to get hurt because where do we go for comfort when that happens? We go to Jesus. So we need to be emotionally involved, uh, not just our, our time, our energy and money, and all those things are costs as well, but we need to in, be involved emotionally. Second thing is that we need to count the cost of our comfort, of our free time, uh, and, and obviously of, of our pocket as well, because sometimes serving costs us a little bit of money. But I think the challenge for us coming out of this coronavirus um, circumstance is that, that a lot of us have had more free time. Um, we've had maybe more comfort in some respects, not all of us, but some of us have more free time, and actually we've quite enjoyed that. We've quite enjoyed having our evenings free and our weekends free and different parts of time free. And we're being called again to step out and, and we're being called again to bring our time before Jesus as an offering, as an offering of worship and say, what do you want to do with my time? 
What is that going to cost me in my discomfort? And, and how can I give my time as an attitude, as a, as a, a piece of worship towards you, Jesus? The third thing we need to count the cost of is the cost of rejection. You see, we spend a lot of time fitting in. A lot of us spend a lot of time going under the radar. We want to go with the flow. We don't necessarily want to stand out. And we certainly don't want to be rejected. But in much of our service, as we serve with the heart and compassion of Jesus, we should expect also the responses that Jesus got. And one of the responses that Jesus got was rejection. We have to realize that in serving and blessing others, not everyone is going to accept that. People are going to say no. People are going to think we're crazy. People are going to have um, all sorts of opinions uh, about us. And, and so we have to actually wrestle with the fact that we're going to be rejected. We have to get to the point where we think that's okay. Because I'm serving Jesus. I'm not serving that person anyway. If they choose not to accept or receive the service or the help or the guidance or the encouragement that I want to give them, that's okay. But that's one of the things that happens when you step into a place of faith, into a place of risk, is you don't know exactly what the outcome is going to be. But the outcome, the most important outcome, is your obedience to the call of Jesus to go and to serve. You're not responsible for how someone reacts to you. You're responsible for, for how you love and for how you act. And alongside that comes the risk of being misunderstood. And for me, I feel that's just personally an increasing challenge that it's okay if people misunderstand who I am and what I'm about. And we see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus was called a friend to sinners by the Pharisees, and that wasn't really a compliment. He was criticized for hanging out with the wrong people and being seen in the wrong places. And I think there's a real challenge for us uh, in this wider cultural moment that as we love and, and show compassion with and draw alongside other people, as we do things that we might find ourselves misunderstood. As a church, we might find ourselves misunderstood and criticized. But we're called to respond to Jesus and to serve the people that Jesus calls us to serve. And we're not necessarily called to defend our actions and to defend why we're doing things because uh, we're not called to give an account to people who want to criticize us. We're called to give an account before God. And so I think it's okay, and I think we need to count the cost of being misunderstood. We also need to count the cost of not getting our own needs met through serving. Sometimes you will, and sometimes you won't. Um, we need to realize that, that at times, we're, and, I, and again, speaking personally, that sometimes you feed a superhero complex in you that we want to be seen to be the ones helping, and we want to be seen to be the ones doing something. Uh, and if that's our motivation, we're going to spend a lot of time and effort trying to show the world that we're serving. We're not necessarily going to serve as Jesus served. And we see that Jesus very often chose to serve outside of the limelight, to serve the one to serve where nobody else knew, where nobody else needed to know. And I think that there's um, a real authenticity at times in that is when we serve and we're not thinking necessarily about what we're getting out of it or what other people are going to think. But again, this comes back to having a vision of Jesus. 
So as we come, as we think about coming back stronger, we also need to come back deeper. We need to come back from a deeper place of intimacy with Jesus, tuning into his heart and his voice, tuning into his vision so that as we look around us and look to the needs of others, from our place of intimacy with Jesus, we think, yes, I can go here, I can do this. I'm going to have to take a step of faith. I'm going to have to take a risk. It might be difficult, but my service is important. The world needs an encounter with Jesus right now. There's so much worry and anxiety and stress out there. I know that that we feel it. We all feel it at different times. It's okay. We need to acknowledge that too. But Jesus is the answer. Jesus is always the answer to a messed up and hurting, desperate world. They're searching for something. They just don't know that it's Jesus yet, but they very soon will because you are his messenger. You are the one sent to carry his good news to the brokenness in our lives. And so let's take the challenge of serving. Take some time. Take some time out this week and ask God, what does that look like for me? Maybe you're still shielding and you think, I can't do anything. Don't let that be a barrier to you picking up the phone or writing a letter, encouraging someone, having a conversation over a garden fence. Ask God what it is that you're called to do. Pray about it. Get other people. Tell them what you feel God's calling you to do. Maybe find a group of people who want to do the same thing. But let's serve. Let's serve with compassion. But let's serve with creativity. Let's find new and innovative solutions to the new problems and brokenness that's out there in the world. We have the mind of Christ. So let's engage that mind with the brokenness of the world and bring the hope of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you We thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you for the wonderful model, for the picture of service that we see. And Jesus, it is our heart and our desire to serve you and serving others, to make you known, to make your name great, to declare your glory and your goodness. Help us to step out from our place of comfort, from our place of um, ease, God, into a place of risk and of faith, a place where we know that we need you, that if you don't come, things aren't going to work out. God, help us to step out, like Peter stepping out of that boat. God, we know that you will meet us in those moments, that it might not work out exactly the way that we think, but that's okay, because you are there. We thank you that you're there. Jesus, come and stir us, give us vision give us compassion, give us the creativity of heaven to think about new ways in which the kingdom can come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. If um, you've been there uh, this morning and uh, you don't know Jesus and you would like to give your life to Jesus, I just encourage you um, to do that this morning. I encourage you to pick up the phone and ring our helpline. Somebody would love to talk you through that. If you'd like prayer ministry for any other reason, our helpline is there and somebody would be available to take your call. Thank you and good morning. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.